Hello and welcome back to the NACA podcast. This is Doug Church, Deputy Director of Public Affairs at the NACA National Office in Washington, D.C. And today I am with Richard Kennington, Portland, Oregon Tower, and also uh, National Legislative Committee, Northwest Mountain Regional Representative. Many of the classes that we had this past NACA in Washington uh, were tremendously successful for the attendees uh, there. What we'd like to do now is be able to present that content to our members and our activists throughout the course of the year. Richard, tell us a little bit about what we hope to achieve here. Sure. So uh, we want to bring uh, the classes, the information that was given to uh, the participants at NAC in Washington, which is only about 500 uh, of our uh, activists. We want to bring that out to uh, everybody, have everybody have the opportunity to uh, digest that information. So uh, that's uh, the reason for the podcast, and we wanted to uh, start with the uh, first class, which was entitled Hate Politics, Hate Let's politics. Talk. Is it, sound, is, is it as cynical as it sounds? Well, I think so. You know, it's interesting. So what we did is we went out and we certifi- uh, surveyed a bunch of our membership, people who had been in Act Washington but didn't return, or uh, folks who uh, said, you know, this, thing, this politics isn't for me. And I was curious as to why this was. And we found four reoccurring reasons, four common themes uh, that ran through uh, just about every survey uh, that we did. And those four are these. Uh, number one, all politicians are corrupt. People tend to stay away from politics because, as we all know, all politicians are corrupt, right? Uh, number two, politicians only care about getting reelected. You know, those cheeky, <laughs> cheeky politicians, they only care about getting reelected, right? Uh, another concern, my vote doesn't count. Why do I go through the effort? Everybody knows your vote doesn't count. Especially in certain states. Right? Absolutely. What's the point, right? And, uh, and number four, uh, politics, it's all about buying votes. That's all I do. It's just about buying votes. It's dirty money. I don't want any part of it. So I'm not uh, I'm not going to participate. So those are the those are the four uh, main concerns that we heard. Tell us about how this class occurred in in, in May at NACA Washington. What was the perceptions of the members um, who took this class? Um, what do you think that they came into the class uh, wanting to achieve, and what do you think they left with? Well, I I think they uh, had a common skepticism of politics. Uh, which is reflected in the title, right? So um, I think they uh, kind of went in um, feeling the way a lot of us do, but hopefully they came away with a different mindset. So let's go through some of the class content then and, and tell us how you go through this and, and teach it and, and impart this knowledge and and uh, and how do you get your message across and what kinds of things do you want to uh, discuss with that? Sure. So we attacked the, the first thing. Uh, as we said, all politicians are corrupt, right? I don't want to participate in politics because all the politicians are corrupt and uh, D.C. is a swamp, and et cetera, right? And so what I did is I went back and I Googled, and you can do this too, uh, Google uh, corrupt politicians. And you'll, you'll find some headlines. For example, uh, former congressman sentenced to 10 years in prison for bribery and other charges. Uh, who can forget Anthony Weiner gets 21 months in prison for a sexting case. Uh, another one uh, from 2017, more recently, ex-congresswoman gets five years in prison for a charity scam. And uh, even uh, just recently, uh, today uh, announced that a Republican out of uh, New York is being indicted on uh, insider trading charges, right? Yeah. So, um, so, I mean, if that's not proof positive that all, co- all politicians are corrupt, uh, then I don't know what is. So then we started looking at we said, well, well, what if that were true about air traffic controllers? What do people know about air traffic controllers? Well, 
How about you go Google that, right? And what we find is all federal employees are lazy. It's, it's in the headlines. You can see it right there. All uh, uh, um, federal employees are lazy. They say, wait a second. That's not true. Not all of us. I mean, there, there are a few, but not all of us. Uh, another article uh, if, uh, from CNN from March 25th of 2011. Here's a headline for you. NTSB, air traffic controller falls asleep leaving planes on their own. What does the general public know about uh, air traffic controllers? Well, one of them is that we, we all sleep, right? We all sleep on our shifts. Um, and that's just common knowledge that all air traffic controllers fall asleep at work. Here's another one for you. This, one, this is my favorite from December 11th of 2015. Uh, and I, I'm not making this up. I'm going to read it to, straight to you, Doug. Air traffic controller says to cops, quote, I smoke meth to stay awake. Oh, boy. Close quote, right? Not a headline I like to see. It, indeed, right? <laughs> so um, if the general public were to assess all air traffic controllers based on those headlines, how accurate is that? We know it's not accurate at all. Then why do we do the same with politicians based on the headlines of a few? It is unfair and inaccurate to say all politicians are corrupt. It's just not true. Uh, it's a myth that's been able to persist but it's not true, right? So we got to get over that uh, mindset that all politicians are corrupt. Uh, they're not. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, it kind of brings us to the second one, which is uh, politicians only care about getting reelected. And you think about it like this. Um, what is their job? Their job is to be a senator or a representative to their constituents. Um, and guess what? They want to keep that job. I, I don't think that I, I want to keep my job as an air traffic controller. Uh, I don't think that's uh, out of the uh, realm of possibility for a, a, a politician to want to keep their job either, right? Um, so yeah, they care about getting reelected, and mostly because they came into the job with a certain set of ideals or changes that they wanted to see made, and so they campaigned on those ideals, and um, and it may be not the same ideals you uh, advocate for. But that doesn't make them less of a person or uh, less of, a, of a, a person who cares about the issues than you do, right? So again, it's uh, to say that all politicians uh, only care about getting reelected. Yes, they do care about getting reelected. It's hard to blame them for that. But they also uh, want to stay in Congress because they have ideals and they want to see certain changes made. And so it shouldn't be any surprise to us that uh, that they want to get reelected. Well, it's certainly a validation of our support of uh, of members of Congress who support NACA, the NACA majority, as we like to call them. Obviously, it, it's good for us if members that do support NACA continue to office. keep their job and sure. continue to support the issues that that we feel most strongly about. Is that correct? It is correct. And uh, you know, imagine having to replace our uh, our NACA friends every uh, election, trying to build those re relationships new every time. Um, You'd never, you'd never be able to educate your member of Congress because they wouldn't be in, uh, in uh, office long enough. So go through some of the, the rest of your presentation here. What are the most eye-opening things as you go forward with, with, uh, with more of your, of your material that, that you really saw in the room, uh, the face-to-face -face with our members as to, wow, I didn't really realize that, or wow, that's very interesting. Sure. So uh, one of the things uh, I think that people were really surprised about was uh, this idea of uh, my vote doesn't count. Um, you know, we've got our blue states and our red states, and they'll never change, and it's just the way it is. And if you're in rural America, it's, it's straight red, and, um, you know, the coasts are, are blue, and, and that's just the way it is. Um, but 
votes do count. They, they, they count a, a lot. For example, let's look at a uh, U.S. Senate race for the U.S. Senate uh, in Nevada in 1998. Mm-hmm. All right. Harry Reid, who just retired uh, last, uh, last election, uh, won by 0.09% of the vote. Hmm. A United States senator won- wins by 0.09% of the vote. It's hard to say that a, a vote doesn't count. And those are hundreds of thousands of votes cast a- in the election. Of a- absolutely. So, for, for example, we all know about the, uh, the 2000 election, the presidential election between Gore and Bush, right? And that all came down to uh, Florida, the state of Florida. Um, and Bush won that by 0.06% of the vote, 0.06% mm-hmm. of the vote. And, oh, by the way, New Mexico's uh, electoral votes uh, were even closer in that, in that particular race, okay? So, again, here's a presidential race that was so close um, that, uh, that every vote absolutely did count. Closer to home, uh, in my great state of, of Washington, I think back to the gubernatorial race in 2004, when, when uh, Christine Gregoire beat uh, Dino Rossi. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk about the, the thousands, in this case, millions of votes. 2.8 million votes were cast. Guess how much she won by? 133 votes. Wow. Out of 2.8 million, 133 votes. Votes count. And, and that's the amount of votes maybe cast in just a few seconds across a certain precinct or district. I mean, that, you know, such a drop in the bucket, but so consequential Absolutely. and monumental. Right. <laughs> so somebody out there on a farm in eastern Washington might have said, well, you know, uh, who am I in, in, uh, on the east side to compete with somebody out of King County uh, with all those thousands and thousands of people in the Seattle area? I can't, you know, I can't compete with that. Why should I make the effort to go vote? Um, 133 votes. Well, and, and we also, you mentioned earlier some of the current events of this week, just this week in the Ohio primary. This was Tuesday, mm-hmm. August uh, the 7th, a uh, special election for a congressional seat uh, in, in the north of the Columbus, Ohio area. Absolutely. Um, they weren't even able to declare a winner until the next day. I mean, they were only separated by, I think, 250 votes. It's, uh, it was pretty tight. At one point, I saw 1,500, and um, I think it, uh, yeah, it got even tighter um, as last-minute ballots were counted. So um, absolutely uh, they count. It's just, it's just a, a myth, and it's just not true. Uh, that your vote uh, doesn't count. Well, and this is why you know, we we here at NACA have, have wanted to get more a, a more aggressive get out the vote message in a lot of the member communications that we've done, especially since NACA in Washington. As many of you have seen, have gotten our legislative updates since May. We've had a list and a schedule of when your state's primary election is going to be held, when are the registration deadlines. Uh, we'll be doing the same for for general election as well, and. It's very crucial, obviously, for, for everybody, but particularly us as NACA and particularly us in organized labor to, to exercise our rights to vote, to continue to su- uh, support our fellow brothers and sisters' right to vote, make sure that they, they get it accomplished, uh, make sure that our communities, our families, our friends, everybody that we know knows what the deadlines are, the schedules are, and I think that's a certainly a, an imperative thing from now here in August through the midterm elections sure. in November. Well, I'd, I'd agree with that 100%. Um, usually in a, a midterm election, which we're in this year, um, only about 40% of the votes are cast. 40%. So think about it. Um, if, uh, if everybody got out to vote, um, you know, you could easily overcome um, a deficit in votes pretty, pretty quickly. So, uh, yeah, a very low percentage of uh, voters actually turn out. Okay. 
Well, let's go through the through another part of your presentation uh, and, and talk about the next topic. Sure. So um, a lot of people got wrapped around the axle of uh, of this idea of uh, lobbying, right? Lobbying. Uh, Lobbyists in, in, in um, D.C. are so powerful um, that it doesn't really matter about middle America, um, Main Street uh, Americans. They don't have the power that the lobbyist in, uh, in D.C. might have. And that's not necessarily true. Um, it's, uh, it's not about um, getting uh, lobbyists to buy votes and that sort of thing. Um, it is, it's actually it comes down to the First Amendment. The First Amendment says that you have, as a citizen, you have the right of the people to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Hmm. You have the right as an American citizen to petition government or your representatives for a redress of your grievances. And so I would ask you, well, what are some of the grievances that we care about uh, recently? What have we had to go to Capitol Hill to lobby for or against? And if you look at some of the, the uh, issues we've had, um, there have been numerous attempts to uh, take away official time. Um, one bill was directed right at uh, the uh, labor unions in the FA. Mm-hmm. Uh, others have been just uh, at unions in general. Um, but the idea to take away official time, and I think we all know, you know, what that would do to uh, our representation, the abilities to um, advocate for our membership. So obviously that would have a, a catastrophic effect. Um, so we uh, lobbied our representatives uh, to uh, defeat that bill or bills, as there have been numerous, and we've been very successful uh, so far, but it takes us participating in that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one, um, uh, that uh, the legislation making it difficult for unions to collect dues. Um, it's a classic union busing technique uh, that's been tried many times, something else we've been able to defeat in Congress. Other things that we've supported, um, the uh, Social Security Supplement, uh, for air travel controllers, given our, our early retirement, and that's uh, paid big dividends for our membership. And ever since codified into law, we've had to defend that uh, every uh, congressional cycle. So uh, again, that's all done by us petitioning our representatives to say, here's how it affects the system, mm-hmm. or here's how it affects your constituents. And once you do that, once you educate your members of Congress or lobby, uh, f- uh, for your uh, your um, issue, uh, then it helps them make an informed decision, which they would not be able to otherwise. Yeah, it's always struck me, and I've been here in, in the nation's capital now since uh, since the year 2000, and uh, I really never spent much time in D.C. before that. It's interesting, the perception of the word lobbyist before you have any experience being in D.C., and then being here and seeing how the process works and uh, and certainly getting to know our own working with our own government affairs staff here in, on in the national national office the nlc going to nack and washington each year and seeing myself firsthand how this all works it is interesting to me that there is a perception in the rest of the country that the word lobbyist is a is a negative such a negative connotation that it's it's dirty it's it's slimy yeah. it's Oh, it's just putting money in pockets and. I understand. Uh, I understand what you're what you're saying. You know, uh, somebody, uh, a friend of mine, I uh, told him I've been in D.C. and regularly, and and he actually called me a lobbyist, and I said, "How <laughs> dare you!" And then I felt dirty, and I had to go shower three times uh, before I, I I could feel clean again. But then I started thinking about it. And I said, um, 
yeah, I am a lobbyist. And you know what? Another word for lobbyist is uh, educator. Educator. I go and I educate uh, our members of Congress because how well do they understand our jobs? They don't understand. Listen, these people put their pants on one leg at a time, right? Some, some of them aren't even able to do that. So uh, don't tell me these are the bright of the bright that they just come into office knowing everything, right? Um, no, it, we have to educate them on that. We are the subject matter experts um, on uh, air traffic. Our Region 10 folks, our engineers and all them, they're subject matter experts on, on their jobs. And uh, our members of Congress need to hear from those subject matter experts because if they don't, they're going to hear from somebody. That's right. There are other people out there, believe you me, uh, advocating against your ideals. And you wouldn't think so, but they're out there. Yeah. And, uh, and if we do not counteract that bad legislation or advocate for the good legislation, then what, what space do we have to complain when it doesn't go our way? We can't expect our members of Congress to just know our issues because we're really good people. And it's not just doing the lobbying and the educating here in Washington during the month of May in NACA, Washington. It's also the rest of the year, the other 11 months back home in your home districts where you're able to, in, in a lot of cases, invite a member of Congress and or their staffs to come and visit your facilities uh, during one of the recesses. And it's so gratifying and, and rewarding to see the pictures that come in, and, and we in the Public Affairs Department, um, you know, get those from all of you in the NLC and your members in various states and jurisdictions, and then get that out to the members, our members, and to be able to see what that looks like in in visual form, a, a member of Congress you know, looking intently as one of our members demonstrates how a piece of equipment works, how a procedure works, you know, there in the tower cab pointing out runways and configurations. And I know firsthand, as someone who's not a controller, having had the opportunity to see a mm -hmm. facility myself, what that is like, and to be able to be wowed at, oh my gosh, you know, I had no idea it works this way. And it's overwhelming, but I think our members do a good job of boiling it down to something that everybody can understand, particularly sure. a member of Congress, that you want to, to impart this important knowledge so that they'll come away with a positive experience a positive impression right. and therefore more willing to listen to what you have to say about policy issues. I agree with that 100%. We've had so much most so much success uh, with uh, members of Congress coming to uh, visit our facilities. Can you imagine being an accountant and inviting your member of Congress to come visit your cubicle? Um, <laughs> I don't know, it, you know, a little less impressive, but um, uh, but have we, some good snacks. Indeed. Uh, but if you can get them out to the facilities to help them understand what it is that we do, then they can advocate for you uh, on Capitol Hill. And that's, that's really what it's all about. So the bottom line is that, uh, you know, lobbying is an integral part of, of modern government and it's legally protected by the First Amendment. And then again, by Lobbying Disclosure Act of 1995, um, it protects the ability to petition Congress uh, to educate your members of Congress. So if you really have a, a beef with the whole lobbying, just think about educating, and that might help you get over that hurdle. Excellent. We've got a few minutes left, and I want to get to your, your closing. Um, what message did you leave the participants with, and, and tell us how responsive they were and the kind of questions you got? Sure. In short, uh, again, it's, it's that we've got to participate in the lobbying or political process. Uh, because if we don't, we will be left to the whims of Congress. 
um, and uh, in whatever they decide in their uneducated state. Uh, nobody can do it better. We have to do it as the subject matter experts. We have to be that uh, the voice and the educators uh, for them. Um, I believe that uh, our students left with a little bit better insight uh, as to why we do what we do. Uh, listen, it's hard to motivate somebody if they don't uh, understand why what they do is important. And uh, I, I think we had uh, some good success with that. I think our participants left with uh, the idea that what they were doing had value, was important, and now we just need those folks to get back to their facilities and educate the rest of the membership so that we can have more activism, more educators on Capitol Hill, um, letting our members of Congress know what the issues are and what's important to support or defeat and uh, advocate for the system and for our profession. Excellent. So instead of hating politics, we're at the end of a podcast, and we're now loving politics. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not going to say we're going to love it. Um, but uh, certainly participate in it, right? Because uh, otherwise, um, don't be upset if it doesn't go your way unless you were a participant in the process. Outstanding. Richard, thank you very much for your time. And uh, NACA members, thank you for joining us today on the NACA podcast, and we will talk to you very soon.